Well, we are in a series called Hark, looking at the four different angelic encounters that happened during the Christmas season. And this morning, we're going to look at the angelic encounter that Joseph has in a dream. But before we do that, I wanted to share one of the things that I hate with you all this morning. I hate buying vehicles. It is just the worst. It is the worst. Can I get an amen with that, right? It's the worst. <laughs> yeah, you're awake this morning. Good. Yeah, it's the worst because you never know what you're going to get. You can go and check it out, maybe even take it to a mechanic, usually a good idea. But until you've spent a significant amount of time with that car, you just don't know what you have. Even if you buy a new car, I'm told that depending on when the car was manufactured, if it was like around Christmas time and all the employees are phoning it in for the holidays, like you might get a lemon. That's possible. So you just don't know what you're going to get. Matt Boyers is a mentor of mine. He used to preach down here a bit. He's the senior pastor up at Crossroads Wasion, and he told me this story a couple of times. He said when he was about my age, uh, and have, he had three kids, was fresh off into the ministry, so kind of in the stage of life that I'm exactly in right now. Not a whole lot of money to his name, but him and his wife eking it out. He thought it would be a good idea to get a pickup truck, which I also think would be a good idea, but I had to buy a minivan instead. <laughs> so Matt wanted to get a pickup truck. He didn't have a whole lot of cash saved up, which really limits your options. And so he said he found a truck out in Indiana. He called the guy, set it up to go meet him. He got his dad to go with him. They went out. They looked at it. He thought it looked pretty good. The price was right. Conditions were perfect. His dad thought it looked good. He thought, yeah, you should buy it. Everything lined up. But he said during the whole process, he just had a weird feeling about it all. He said, I never really had peace about buying this truck. And I kind of brushed it off. He said, I kind of felt like God's still small voice was saying, or whispering, don't buy this. This is a bad idea. And Matt, much like me in his youthful arrogance, just pushed aside that gut feeling or the nudge from the Lord and went ahead and bought the truck. And according to him, he said that is the worst vehicle that he has ever purchased in his whole life. Nothing but problems from the very, very get-go. It was the worst. Now, I said we're talking about Joseph this morning. What in the world does buying a vehicle have to do with my man Joe? Well, I'm going to tell you here in a little bit. We're about to read about Joseph's angelic encounter from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And I'm not, I don't have slides this morning, so you're going to have to get your Bible out or get your phone out and swipe there. And I would encourage you, it's always a good idea, even when we have slides, to have a Bible in front of you, something that you can mark up and make notes if you like to do that sort of thing. But Joseph is confronted with a decision in our text this morning. Just like Matt with purchasing a truck, just like all of us, decisions are something that we face daily. Sometimes they're small things, like what kind of cereal you're going to eat for breakfast in the morning. I recommend Lucky Charms, personally. It's my go-to. But other decisions in life are a lot bigger than that. So today we're going to see that Joseph is confronted with a pretty big decision. Okay? His fiance is pregnant. It's a pretty big decision. What's he going to do? So I want to look at Joseph from, from his side of the story. And I, I want to try and learn what does it take to make a godly decision? How are we supposed to go about life with all of the decisions that we have to make and do so in a godly way, do so without kind of stepping in it, so to speak? 
And I think we can learn that from today's text. Whether we're buying a car, we're choosing a spouse, trying to decide how much money we should spend on our kids for Christmas, I think this text lends, lends itself to, to teaching us how to do that a little bit. So let's read it together. Starting in verse 18. 18, Matthew 1, it says this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Okay, before we get into the Joseph stuff, I want to bring you up to speed a little bit on Jewish betrothal and engagement. There were two stages to the whole marriage thing in the Jewish community. There was the betrothal or the engagement period, and then there was the uniting of the bride and groom under one roof and all of the stuff that happens under that one roof. Okay, now some of you are thinking, sounds a lot like what we practice today, and you would be wrong. You would be wrong. In Jewish communities, a young man, his fiance, would legally get married in the engagement period. So you were united together. Legally, you were considered husband and wife when you were betrothed, when you were engaged. But they weren't allowed to live together or sleep together, which I personally think is the dumbest tradition ever invented, right? <laughs> Telling me I can't live with my wife? What? That's ridiculous. But in their community, their thinking went kind of like this. In those days, marriages were arranged by the parents. They were arranged by the parents. So when you chose a wife for your son, you had to pay a really expensive bride price to the, the father of the bride. And uh, the, uh, the father of the bride wanted to make sure that the lady he selected for his son was pure. Now, I'm thinking Wes is probably in favor of bringing back this tradition, considering he has two daughters, right? Bride price sounds kind of nice. I don't know. You can ask him about it. Anyways, the parents are paying this price. They want to make sure that the girl is pure. So they require a year of waiting before the husband is allowed to be united to his wife to make sure that she's not pre-pregnant or whatever. So after a year, that was clear, right? She was pure. She didn't sleep with anybody. We're good to go. But if during that time... They kind of figured out everything wasn't kosher, so to speak. Well, then the male or the female could get a divorce. And that's what you had to do. You couldn't, it's not like today, if you break an engagement, you're like, here's your ring, get out of here. You can't do that. You would have had to go to the court, actually file for divorce, and do all the legal things that it takes to separate. So that's, that's kind of the backstory on, on betrothal for Joseph. That's what he's facing. That's what he's up against. So when he finds out that his fiance is pregnant, he has a decision to make. Can you imagine what it must have been like for him to hear that the girl that he just recently married, 
he hasn't been allowed to sleep with, is now pregnant. And then she tells him, but Joseph, it was the Holy Spirit. It just, spontaneous conception. It just happened, I swear. Right? I remember an episode of House. Remember that show with Greg Laurie, the British guy? I remember an episode of House, I don't know, a couple Christmases back, where they kind of played off of this. A husband and wife come in. The husband's infertile, can't, can't uh, get a baby. And so uh, the, the wife becomes pregnant, and she tells him, it's a miraculous conception. And the doctor kind of goes along with it. Spoiler alert, you, you kind of know where this is going. Turns out she was cheating. She was cheating. So that's where Joseph is at, right? Naturally, Joseph, he's not convinced. Right, the Holy Spirit got you pregnant. Did he give you a pet Sasquatch too? Joseph is humiliated, and I'm sure devastated, and now he's got a decision to make. He's got a couple of options. Legally, he could have had Mary stoned to death. This is a different sermon, but think about this. Because of God's favor in Mary's life, she's under a death sentence. She could very well have been legally put to death by stoning. So that's one option. But we're told Joseph is a righteous man. He doesn't want to disgrace Mary publicly. He doesn't want to have her killed, so he considers divorcing her quietly. Remember, they're legally married, so you can't just give the ring back. He has to file for it and do all that stuff. Or Joseph could stay with Mary. And if Joseph stays with Mary... It's going to look to everyone else in the community like Joseph is the father, which means that not only is Mary's name mud in the community, but now Joseph is stepping on in there with her. He's bringing shame on himself and his family as well. And verse 20 tells us that Joseph considered all of this. He considered all of this. And then an angel came to him in a dream and told him what God wanted him to do. Hey, Joe, Mary is telling the truth. The child is from God. It was a miracle. Don't be afraid to take her as her wife. Mary will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. How many of you knew that's what Jesus' name means? It means God saves. I'm wondering how much of a comfort that was to Joseph in, the, in this time. And then in the text, Matthew continues, and he adds some commentary real quick after he tells us what happens. He quotes Isaiah 7.14. He says, all of this took place to fulfill the prophet, what the prophet said. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph wakes up, he does all that the angel of the Lord commands him. Now, I want to make just a few points about what we can learn about how to make godly decision from the example of Joseph. The first one might seem obvious, but consider all your options. When you're presented with a decision, especially the weightier ones in life, consider all your options. That's what Joe did. In verse 20, we learn that. And in your consideration, I think God wants us to use our, our minds, our sanctified minds, God gave us brains, brains that have the capacity to reason, to come to logical conclusions. And J Joseph uses his brain to, to get things rolling here. He reasons that his wife was a cheat and a liar. She was going on about this miraculous conception. Come on, that's not real. That's not a thing. Sure, Joseph had never known Mary to be anything less than innocent and honest and pure, but babies don't get delivered by storks. So he reasons that she's been cheating. 
Maybe he's willing to even give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's willing to assume that she's been taken advantage of. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to bring any more attention to the divorce than is necessary. Maybe he wants to protect what's left of Mary's dignity. He's a good man. He's a righteous man. He's considering all of this. And I'm sure he's talking it over with some trusted and godly friends. The text doesn't say this, but this was a tight-knit community. Joseph's parents paid big money to arrange this wedding. I guarantee you Joseph is at least consulting with his parents. And if Joseph is a righteous guy, it seems to reason that his parents are righteous as well. I realize I'm, I'm reaching a little bit beyond the text, but I, I don't think it's unrealistic. I'm confident that Joseph sought out wise counsel in this situation. Now at this point, we're probably all with Joseph, right? We're all with him. Pretend like you don't know any of this story. Pretend like, like you're an uncle of Joseph in this community. You hear Mary's pregnant. Then you hear that Joe's decided to divorce Mary quietly. From all you know, sounds like a pretty reasonable, logical decision. Maybe even the best decision given the circumstances. And this is normally how most of us make our decision. We consider all our options, maybe seek out a few of our friends' opinions, get some wise counsel, think it through with reason and logic, and then we pull the trigger. And honestly, that's not the worst way to go through life. It's better than not thinking through your decisions at all, but reason and logic should never have the ultimate say in our decisions, nor should the wisdom of man. Both of those things are important components of the decision-making process. But if we stop there, we stop short of God. See, God has lots to say about how we should live and what we should do. And I want to suggest to you that he even has things to say to us about the normal decisions that we make in life, such as buying a car or a house. I'm not saying he'll send an angel to the car lot with you, but God cares deeply about us and about the mundane, routine things of our lives. He'll guide and direct us in all areas of our lives if we let him. And I think this is why Matthew is so quick to comment on the angel's message. He wants the readers to know that God's word affirms what the angel told Joseph. You see, reason and logic are great. God expects us to use our heads to think through things. Absolutely. But reason and logic are not enough and should never be the only or ultimate factor in our decision-making process. We should use reason and logic. We should also seek out godly counsel from people who are wiser than us, more experienced than us. But even then, it's not always a sure thing. Along with those things, when we come to decisions in life, we must always seek out God's direction. What has he said in his word about this? When you're choosing a spouse, there aren't many rules. But there is one rule. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. That means if you're a believer, don't marry an unbeliever. Pretty clear. Helpful, even. But what about the other stuff where there isn't a chapter and a verse? What about that kind of stuff? I think that is where we get to ask for some supernatural intervention. Joseph got an angel, and that's awesome. However, we're talking about the birth of the Messiah here. It's kind of a big deal. You probably won't get an angel. You might, but probably not. But in a lot of ways, if you're a Christian, if you love the Lord, you have something better than an angel. 
See, angels deliver messages from God, but if you're a Christian, you don't need a messenger because you have God living within you. Jesus said so on the night before he was crucified. He said that he would not leave us as orphans, but that he would come to us. In John 16, he said, in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And then later in that same chapter, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will, speak only, he, will, he will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring glory to me by telling you whatever he receives from me. See, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. The very Spirit of Christ with you. Emmanuel. God with you. Always. Not just in a manger. Not just in the person of Christ. God with you always. And he will guide you into all truth. When you're confronted with the big decisions of life, and honestly the small ones too, make sure you're making room for God and his Holy Spirit to be the loudest voice in your head. He may confirm the place where reason and logic and godly counsel have led you, or he may call you to do the exact opposite. But he'll never contradict what he has already said in the Bible. He may call you to do something that doesn't make sense logically. He may call you to do something that makes your life harder. He may call you to lay down your reputation, to swallow your pride, to eat humble pie. He might call you to do a lot of things. You can make a wrong decision if you follow only reason and logic and your friends' opinions. But if you follow the Lord's direction as Joseph, you won't. Now, obviously, no one is perfect, right? It's a hard thing hearing from God, especially about uh, subjective things sometimes. But there's grace for that. The point is, you can't go wrong if you search the Lord's word and give him the final say in all of your decisions in life. The band can come up and we'll close here with this. May God give us the grace to respond like Joseph. He made his decision through reason and logic. It made good sense for his reputation and his bank account. It was even gracious. He didn't want to bring the hammer down on Mary. But then God stepped in, and even though it didn't make logical sense and would cost Joseph immensely more, Joseph allowed God to have the final say in his decision, in this decision in his life, and I'm going to bet in all the other decisions of his life as well. May we follow in Joseph's example. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for the way that you pursue us. Lord, thanks for the children. Thanks for the creativity that went into putting the program together and uh, giving us a fresh perspective on what you did. You didn't stay far off, but you entered into this world. And Father, through the Holy Spirit, you enter into our lives in a very real and tangible way. Would you speak to us? Would you help us be mindful of your presence? That you weren't just God with us in a manger. You weren't just God with us in the person of Christ. But you are God with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And you want to help us make the big decisions in life. 
as well as the small ones. Keep us mindful of your presence as we go through life. May you always be the loudest voice in our head. And may we give you the final say on every issue, every decision that comes across our path. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this season. We give you all the honor and glory and praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen.